Yeah, what's up? Welcome to Kind of Funny Games Daily for Monday, July 26, 2021. I'm one of your host, Blessing Adioye Jr. Joining me is Tim Ma Fucking Yetis. Bless two things. First off, it feels good to be back with you on a Monday. You know yeah, what I mean? Me and Janet were holding it down last week, but this is how things need to be. If it's a Monday, you know that it's blessed time. You know that it's Tim time. Let's go. Thing number yes. two, I love, I love more than anything that because it's a Monday, what does that mean, Bless? You got to rock the polo. You got to oh, do course. it. We've been talking about it. Bless God is fresh cut. He's been trying to bring back the polo. And when I say try, I take that back. He successfully has done it. And this shirt right now is proof of that. I love that Hell you're yeah. out here looking like an, uh, a Ness alt in Smash Brothers. <laughs> it's fucking fantastic. <laughs> That's my, my favorite thing about my polo collection specifically is that a good 90% of them are striped. And so every every episode now I come through looking like a different uh, Ness costume. Like you, you clicked an alternate on smash brothers and you know i'm down with it the only thing i'm oh, missing yeah. is a yo-yo and a bat but maybe mm -hmm. i'll bring those i'll bring those in at some point but yeah exactly. it's nice to be back on a monday i've taken what like three mondays off in a row because we had that monday off for uh fourth of july mm -hmm. uh the one after that uh i got one of my eyes was bitten by a snake and then the week after that my other eye was bitten uh by a snake so i had to take two mondays off in a row but it's nice to be back you know I, i've missed hosting with you tim of course kind of funny mm -hmm. games daily the dynamic duo don't tell uh greg or andy i said that exactly, exactly. Uh, and of course i get to see you and i get to see your fresh bo bomber jackets that's what i love the most is that me and you now have i think a good stylized dynamic where yes. you bring in the bomber jackets you bring in the that the the tim uh uh beanie you know oh, you the, got the, that the beanie look. the beanie is always the sign of laziness or coldness today oh yeah laziness. Sure both. it's laziness. Okay, today's laziness it's laziness <laughs> laziness but then i bring in the polo we, we look like we're showing up to very different events but it all works because it's you and me <laughs> you see you i and love me. it i love it man let's talk about some video games <laughs> let's talk about some video game news tim enough about style today's stories include an update on the activision blizzard happenings uh big sales numbers for mortal Kombat, and more because this is kind of funny games daily each and every week at 10 a.m live right here on twitch.tv slash kind of funny games we run you through the nerdy news you need to know about if you're watching live you can correct us when we get stuff wrong by going to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong. If you don't want to watch live, you can watch later, youtube.com slash kindoffunnygames, roosteeth.com, or you can listen later on podcast services around the globe by searching for kind of funny games daily to be part of the show to patreon.com slash kind of funny games or bronze members or above get to write in and silver members or above get the show ad free with the exclusive daily post show housekeeping for you we got a new kind of funny podcast episode that went up this morning titled planning the fast and furious theme park with mika burton tim is that as exciting as it sounds Oh, it's fantastic. If y'all don't know Mika Burton, oh my God, you need to listen to this podcast and find out how much of a sweetheart she is and how fun she is to hang out with. She's been a friend of ours for, for many years and I'm happy to be able to share her with the best friends that might not know her. And if you do know her, you already know how much of a pleasure she is. So go check that episode out for sure. Hell yeah, go check that out. Uh, and then over the weekend, you got a new episode of the Cotton Funny X-Cast featuring Double Fine's Tim Schaefer, where the crew talks all about that Psychonauts 2. I believe they give their impressions, and then later on is the interview, and so go check that out. You can catch all of that over on YouTube.com slash Cotton Funny, YouTube.com slash Cotton Funny Games, and on podcast services around the globe. And then more for housekeeping. Tim, was this you that added this? Help the homie Negaran. I did add this, Kevin. If you could, if you could please bring up this uh, tweet, I would appreciate it very much. Um, yesterday, some really sad shit happened. The homie Megaran, um, who has performed at Kind of Funny Live 2, Kind of Funny Live 3, been on We Have Cool Friends, Kind of Funny Podcast, Gamescast, Colin and Greg Live. Like, he is an OG beyond even. Like, he goes back with us, um, and we have all been really good friends with him and a big fan of his for a very long time. He was about to go on tour for the first oh, time no. since the pandemic hit and all this stuff. As soon as he's ready to leave town, car broken into. They took everything, his laptop, the merch, clothes, all of it. So Fuck. he's going through a really That's fucking fun. hard time right now. Obviously, this really sucks. If you have the means at all, check out this thread. I just tweeted it, um, or I quote tweeted it, so you can go to my Twitter to find it. Or you can just go straight to at Megaran, M-E-G-A-R-A-N. Uh, check it out and support him any way you can. Uh, he has a link to his Venmo, PayPal, all that stuff. But then on top of that, he has his Kickstarter there for his new album that he's working on to kind of offset of just like, hey, like I'm, people are being very generous now, which is fantastic. The, but the other thing he put in there is even just a simple link to his band camp where you can just buy some of his music. Personally, I think that would be the best way to support him right now is send some dollars his way, get some super dope music out of it. 
everybody wins. Everybody gets something. But he's been super, super, super supportive of us. So uh, it's the least we could do to at least give him the shout out here. But yeah, damn, damn, this, this yeah, is fucked up. That really sucks. Best wishes to Mega Ran. And yeah, I can I can attest that Mega Ran has some dope ass music. And so if you have the chance to check out uh, like one of the projects from him, I like a lot. I believe it's called Black Materia, where oh, there's a bunch yeah. of remixes to Final Fantasy soundtrack songs. And it's phenomenal. And so this this sucks, especially as a, as a as a small music artist. Right. Like when you get something like your laptop stolen, that is your work is on there. Especially if you're going on tour, you know, your soundtracks, your instrumentals, all that stuff is probably on there. And so that is a struggle. And so, yeah, go help out any way you can. Thank you to our Patreon producers, Donovan Harkness and Blackjack. Today we're brought to you by Away, Mainly Bands, and Amazon Music. But I'll tell you about that later. For now, let's begin with what is and forever will be the Rope Report. <laughs> it's time for some news. We have five stories today. Baker's uh, dozen. That was phenomenal, Kevin. Starting with our number one, we got an update on the Activision Blizzard happenings. Of course, we've been talking about this uh, over the course of the last week. Uh, I believe it started with Tim Tam Thursday, where you guys uh, mm-hmm. talked about the breaking news of Activision Blizzard being sued by the state of California. We talked a little bit about it more on Friday between me and Greg uh, as we got some of the internal statements from folks over at Activision Blizzard. Now, today, we have a few more follow-ups that come in the form of different stories that I am combining into one story. And so I'm going to be jumping uh, back and forth from three different sources, starting from uh, Tyler Wilde and Steven Messner at PC Gamer, where they put up an article uh, over the weekend titled, Activision Blizzard Employees Denounce Corporate Statements. I've condensed this article, and I, I definitely want people to go check out the, the longer article on PC Gamer because they give more examples and more details. But I'll start it off uh, by reading here. Over 20 current Activision Blizzard employees, including World of Warcraft lead game designer Jeremy Fiesel, have publicly criticized the company's response to the sexual harassment and discrimination lawsuit filed against it earlier this week. Some World of Warcraft developers also stopped work today, quote, in solidarity with the women that came forward, uh, Fiesel said. The suit filed by a California government agency alleges that women at the company have faced, quote, constant sexual harassment, end quote, and discrimination, especially women of color. On social media, dozens of former employees expressed support for the stories told in the lawsuit and, in some cases, corroborated details. Now, over 20 current Activision Blizzard employees have expressed public disapproval of Activision Blizzard's response to the suit, with dozens more showing support by retweeting their co-workers' statements. Quote, Many of us will not be working today in solidarity with the women that came forward, wrote lead game designer Jeremy Fiesel. Quote, The statements made by Activision Blizzard do not represent us. We believe women, and we will continue to strive to do better and hold others accountable. Actions speak louder than words, end quote. The World of Warcraft team has been, quote, going through a mix mix of outrage and sorrow and hurt, said narrative designer Steve uh, Denuser, who went on to say that he's interested in fixing the company and industry, not corporate bullshit statements uh like i said earlier i condensed the article the article gives you more examples of more employees speaking out uh and denouncing uh the internal statements that we got uh from activision blizzard corporate and higher ups and all that stuff that we talked about on friday following that uh i want to bring in uh a statement put out by uh, a former blizzard exec uh, i'm pulling from an article from marie dallas sandry at gamesindustry.biz Former Activision Blizzard executives have reacted to last week's lawsuit against the company for harassment and discrimination against women. In a statement, Blizzard co-founder and former president and CEO Mike Morhaime said he's ashamed and apologized for failing women working at Blizzard. Quote, I've read the full complaint against Activision Blizzard and many of the other stories. It is all very disturbing and difficult to read. I am ashamed. It feels like everything I thought I stood for has been washed away. What's worse, but even more important, real people have been harmed, and some women had terrible experiences. I was at Blizzard for 28 years. During that time, I tried very hard to create an environment that was safe and welcoming for people of all genders and backgrounds. I knew that it was not perfect, but clearly we were far from that goal. The fact that so many women were mistreated and were not supported means we let them down. In addition, we did not succeed in making it feel safe for people to tell their truth. It is no consolation that other companies have faced similar challenges. I wanted us to be different, better, end quote. 
later on in this letter, he also mentions, quote, I realize that these are just words, but I wanted to acknowledge uh, the women who had awful experiences. I hear you. I believe you. And I'm sorry to have let you down. End quote. That's the second source I wanted to pull from. Uh, this third and last source I want to pull from is Kotaku, where they put up an article about how Activision Blizzard's social media empire has been silent uh, for quite a few days now. It reads like this. This is from Ian Walker. Social media accounts related to Activision Blizzard and its various properties have stopped posting following California's lawsuit against the major video game conglomerate going public. Since news broke Wednesday that the state of California is suing Activision Blizzard over an alleged widespread abuse of its female employees, official Twitter feeds for Call of Duty, Crash Bandicoot, Diablo, Overwatch, World of Warcraft, and many more have gone completely silent. As these pages regularly update with new content and engage with fans, many see their going dark as an obvious attempt to stay out of the spotlight and avoid more reputational damage. Activision and Blizzard, uh, Blizzard's own Twitter accounts, as well as those uh, for subsidiaries like Inf Infinity Ward, King, Raven Software, Sledgehammer Games, and Treyarch have also taken apparent vows of silence. Tim, it was a lot there. Mm -hmm. uh, where do you want to start? Do you have any thoughts? Uh, well, I mean, you know, on top of this too, there's there's a ton of different uh, developers and just people at Activision and Blizzard in, in different teams coming forward on Twitter and, and other places as well, essentially saying that like work is not happening right mm -hmm. now. Everybody is just, you know, trying to figure this stuff out. And um, on top of that, just like, you know, different forms of protesting, different forms of not putting work into this World of War or Warcraft situation um, or World of Warcraft. But uh, I mean... You know, I can't say this enough. This is all horrible stuff and we need to talk about it and we need to like really look and listen to the stories coming forth and kind of pick apart these statements being made and, and to really look at them and, and question like where it went wrong and how to fix it for the next time and, and all of that. Like this, I'm not surprised that the social media has stopped for them. And I think that that goes down to so many different levels. There are so many people working on these teams, specifically the social media teams that have to deal with all the backlash of this. And, you know, that sucks for them. Like that sucks that like they are now put in this position because of these bad people making bad decisions for so long systemically that it is just such a problem. There's no getting out of it. And so that affects everybody working at the studio, um, even the teams that are innocent of this garbage nonsense, right? Mm. But the fact of the matter is, like, this is not unique to Activision. This is not unique to Ubisoft. This is happening at every single company in the world from every level to some extent. And we all just need to look at that and, like, listen to the people around us. And the more that this stuff happens, or it's not that it's happening more. It's been happening the same amount. The more mm -hmm. that it's being talked about and exposed for the problem that it is, that is the only way that there's going to be any type of shift towards change. I don't know what the answers are to that, but I do know that every day that goes by is going to be better than the last because more people are going to be held accountable and more people are going to hold people accountable to create this better future. But where we're at right now is it's very dark and it's very unfortunate. And I, I it, it's, it pains me that months ago it was Ubisoft that mm -hmm. every day there was some new story coming out and then there was updates and then there was responses and then there was responses to the statements. And then there's, you know, it just keeps going and going and going. And now it's this Activision blizzard thing. And it's like, this sucks because we're going to be sitting here a week from now, still talking about these yeah. updates as they, as they come back and forth of just like, well, this happened and this happened and this happened. And it's like, but that's important. And it's like, that's just where we're at right now. And, I don't know. I feel like I, I'm not really adding anything to this conversation, but I do think yeah. that it is key to keep having it. Yeah, I mean, and that's the thing, right, regarding adding anything to the conversation is that, you know, these are some of the most difficult uh, uh, conversations, I think, to have on Games Daily because it is very much not based on what we have to add for add to it in terms of our own opinion or our own, our own take, right? Like, this isn't, oh, hey, you know, Ubisoft is working on a Star Wars game where me and you can have plenty of opinions about that because we know how, like, we know Star Wars and we know Ubisoft and there are many opinionated things, that, opinionated uh, takes that we can have regarding things surrounding something like that. Whereas when it's a story like this, right? Like, I think for me, for I think for us both, right, as dudes who are working in this industry one we are the people who are the least affected and so we i, I in situ situations like this i prefer to sit and listen and hear what people have to say that are actually going through it and you know try to spotlight women in the industry who 
have way more insight and way more experience and way more uh, uh, that we can learn from uh, in terms of getting something out of it, right? And so I think one, that makes it hard, but then two, right? Like there's not much to add to it in terms of, yeah, this is all fucked. Like, I think that's all there really is to it in terms of the, uh, in, in terms of what this means for one, Activision Blizzard, how this re how this reflects the rest of us, the rest of the industry, and how this tunes us in into what the rest of the industry goes through in terms of structural issues and issues of leadership and how that leadership abuses their own power. You know, it's an it's an eye opening thing in terms of that. And so, like for so much of this, for me, it is informational and eye opening, and it's worth talking about and talking through so that we can be able to to put a spotlight on this for our audience and also for ourselves. But yeah, it's also a difficult thing to just talk about regarding, regarding the social media stuff, right? Like to go back to it a little bit, you know, the, I think the benefit of being able to talk about this for days in a row, cause this is now the third day for kind of funny games daily. We'll, where our headline will be something Activision Blizzard related uh, in regards to all of this. Uh, I, being able to talk about it three days in a row gives us the opportunity to talk about uh or be be able to pick out certain details that we're able to miss or certain nuances that were able to miss before and perspectives right because you know there there are there, it is such a big conversation to have and there's so much to pick apart with it but yeah like i i'm totally with you as far as folks who might be working on the social media teams or folks who might be working on uh the dev teams or folks who might wanted to reveal something we talked about it on friday a little bit that you know apparently there was supposed to be some sort of thing revealed for uh i forget which game it was it might be like an overwatch update or something along those lines kind of funny.com slash you're wrong and they had to put a lid on that because you know right now is not the time for activision blizzard to be trying to announce shit or trying to promo shit because all eyes are on them for all this bullshit that's happening. You know, I mentioned it on Friday that it's not just your Kotaku's and IGN's that are reporting on this. You go and you search Activision Blizzard on Google and you tab over to the news section and you have articles from Forbes, you have New York Times, you have all these bigger outlets reporting on it that, you know, wouldn't usually give a fuck about the inner workings of the video games industry. But because this news is so big and because uh, uh, there is there's so much to dig into, right? Like the spotlight is on them right now and they can't adequately uh one you know they can't act adequately promo shit which you know for the most part who cares about them promoting games right now because all this, all the things going on but then also it is pe keeping people who are actually doing good works at their job right keeping people who are probably passionate in what they do and wanting to do good work and all this stuff even keeping them from being able to do what they do right because like uh Joe or Stacy or whoever who is working in social media at Activision or was working in marketing or whatever at Activision is now like, cool, now I have to be responsible for this bullshit because an exec that's way higher up than me decided to be shitty. And for me, when I think of these stories, I always try to think dev first, like worker first and what they might be going through with this stuff and how uh, the positions that they might be in. And right now they're in a very shitty position. Like I can't imagine, imagine being uh, uh, like on the worker level at Activision Blizzard right now. Meanwhile, all this bullshit is going on. I would be furious and I would be upset uh, because of everything. And yeah, like it's it. I, I keep coming back to this, but it really is the easiest way to sum it up is that it all sucks. Like it all yeah. really does suck. You know, it, it it really does suck. And I I can say this from my own experience in the last couple of years. This is all stuff that is not new by any means. This has been going on since the dawn of time and is unfortunately going to continue till the end of time. But it is our job to try to stop that from being true and to, to minimize it as much as humanly possible. And I think that every single person's role in these stories and in this situation is different and you need to really take a look at inside yourself and how you're going to learn from this and listen and react and change your own behavior. Nobody's perfect and sure you might be asked to be perfect but like you just need to try your best to try to take this information in and decide what you're going to do with it and if your reaction is to put your arm up and get defensive about it that might be okay in that moment but then you need to reflect on you doing that later and ask yourself is that the person you want to be or do you want to be somebody that is more empathetic i think that empathy is the most important word that I've learned in my adult life. I knew it when I was younger. I've heard it. I knew it like I understood what it meant. But I feel like it wasn't until I turned maybe 25 or so that it really sat with me of understanding what it means to 
think about someone else's perspective and think about what they are going through and how different that is from you and how it doesn't need to be a competition one way or another or who had it harder or who has this or whatever it is just about just don't worry about you worry about them for this instant right think mm -hmm. that through and time after time that has made me change my opinions on the way I speak, the way I act, the just the way I think about certain things and the way that I am triggered by certain words coming forward. Uh, in the chat, I don't want to call them out by name, but somebody says, Tim, you're making a massive generalization. There's no sexual harassment at every workplace. You can't know that. The thing is, there is. And that's the problem is that sexual harassment doesn't necessarily mean the worst of the worst of what that could mean. It mm -hmm. could be something all the way down to just speaking to a woman differently than you would speak to a man just because she's a woman. And this is something that I know I've been guilty of so many times in my life. And it's just like dumb, dumb little things of even just like speaking nicer to them mm. using words like hun, not that I do that, but not that I've ever done that. But like, yeah. it's things like that, that it's like, sure. Is that sexual harassment? I don't need to get into the details of all that. My point is there is systematic, systematic problems in how we act towards people that the last couple of years have just put a giant light on to be like, Hey, I know that this has been normal for so long, but we need to really stop that because it shouldn't yeah. be. And we need to start fixing all that stuff. So to me, that is the importance of all of this right now is really everybody finding their own place in these stories and to try to figure out how, what their part is in making the world a better place for the future, because we can't change the past. That's all been done, but we all can change the future. And every single one of us has the power to be just a little bit better or a lot better. And all of that will lead to hopefully a future where we're not getting these stories from the big game developers. We're not getting these stories from the small game developers. We're, hopefully it becomes a rarity, not the expectation. Yes, we talked about uh, we talked a little bit about this on Friday, and Tim, I'm curious to, see, to know what your perspective is on this. What do you think our role is in all of this as people who are part of games media, both on the YouTuber side of things, but then also just I I, I like to view us as somewhat traditional in terms of how we view quote unquote media, right? Like. I've seen quite a few smaller outfit out, outlets uh, put out statements about how they are for the time being, they're not going to cover Activision Blizzard games, right? Like, see, plenty of other outlets not do that. Well, like, where do you land in terms of how we as kind of funny react to all this? I mean, there's there's multiple layers to that, obviously, right? Because mm -hmm. uh, I, I have my own personal thoughts, and then we have our thoughts as a team and as a entire group of which we're all entitled to our our, our points of views. And we, we try to have active conversations as a group to decide things like this, you know, and yeah. whenever somebody feels uncomfortable about something, we come forward and have a conversation and go from there. Personally, my thoughts on this are, we need to just act just like I just spent the last five minutes going off on a rant about just like really thinking about where, what is our position in this and how could we best help and how can we best go forward? There's no one size fits all answer. And I think any action you take has an opposite reaction in a bunch of different ways. So it really isn't about like, oh, well, this, these people are doing this, so everyone should be doing this. It's like, no, what is your place in the industry? What is your place? Uh, not even like, I don't even want to use the words industry. This is a people thing. This is about being better about people and yeah. being better to people and helping other people get educated on how to do that. And personally, I feel like things like this, what we're doing, having these conversations is our best use of our platform to do that and to make steps and, and to, to move forward. Um, in terms of boycotting games and all that stuff, I definitely think that there is a ton of value in that. And I, I do think that that makes a lot of sense uh, for certain people. Personally, I don't think that, that that type of thing makes sense on the level that we use our time and build our platform for where we're at. But mm. that doesn't mean I'm right about that. That just means that's how I feel about it. And that's how I understand the kind of everything that goes into what we're doing and how we're pushing forward. Um, but mm -hmm. that's just because I also know a lot of devs and I know a lot of different perspectives. And again, there's not a right and wrong when it comes to a lot of these decisions. It's like there are right and wrong aspects to every decision made. So yeah. I don't know if that makes sense, but that's where I, I personally am at at this moment. That can change at any time. There is no consistency. And I hate when people try to throw, oh, well, what, you're a hypocrite. You said this about this, you said that about mm -hmm. that. It's like, well, every situation's different. And on top of that, even if they're similar situations, they're happening at different times. So we're dealing with them differently.
Yeah, like if if next week we decided like, hey, actually we're not going to, we're going to stop playing Warzone or where, whatever the decision would be, right? Like that is that is all about like an evolving, uh, I think process and us adapting as you go and 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 you know like us growing and understanding like you know what is what is the right move right now, right? Like what is uh what is the most adequate way to use our platform? And I'm I'm with you that I I really appreciate Games Daily as a platform because it does give us a chance to sit and just chat about this for 20 minutes and uh really use this platform to break down what like what all is going on and give our perspective on it and speak out the best we can. Whereas we have other platforms, we do other things, but being able to have this as an outlet, I think works pretty well. Uh, but yeah, I do also want to say like kudos to all the folks at Activision Blizzard who are speaking out, using their voices and all that stuff. Uh, and I'm sure we're going to continue to talk about this story in days and weeks to come. And so uh, we'll continue to stay tuned on this. But for now, Tim, story number two, we have breaking news, Tim that I think you're going to be very interested in. This comes from Variety as an exclusive, uh, in an article written by Joe Otterson. Pokemon live action series is in d- early development at Netflix from Lucifer's what? Joe Henderson. Yeah. Uh, a new Pokemon series is in early development at Netflix. Variety has learned exclusively from sources. As the project is still in its early days, no details are available about the plot. However, sources say that Joe Henderson is attached to write and executive produce. Henderson currently serves as co-showrunner and executive producer on the popular Netflix series Lucifer, which is what preparing a to air. Pokemon what a transfer! Lucifer. He's like, I've got so many, I've got so much experience doing Lucifer. I can take on Pokemon, no problem. Pikachu, the devil. What's the difference? Uh, which is preparing to air its sixth and final season at the streamer. Sources also say that the project would be a live action series akin to the de- Detective Pikachu film starring Ryan Reynolds and Justice Smith that was released in 2019. Reps for Netflix and Anderson did not immediately respond to Variety's request for comment. The move t- to develop an original Netflix Pokemon series comes as the streamer has made itself the home to multiple. Oh no, I'm getting ads on this page. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Let me scroll back. Uh, multiple existing Pokemon shows, uh, including Pokemon Indigo League and Pokemon Journeys, among others. Netflix has also been making a strong push into anime in recent years, having previously announced original series based on Far Cry, Splinter Cell, and Terminator. Uh, Netflix has been moving uh, into more live-action adaptations of anime titles as well, uh, including the upcoming Cowboy Bebop and One Piece live-action shows. In addition to his work on Lucifer, Henderson is currently developing a series adaptation of the comic book Shadecraft at Netflix, which was announced in March. Henderson penned the comic, working alongside artist Lee Garbett. Henderson is co-writing the, the pilot of that project with Georgia Lee, with both also ex- executive producing Garbett uh, will produce. Henderson is also known for his work on shows such as uh, Eleven Twenty Two Sixty Three at Hulu and Graceland and White Collar at USA Network. He is repped by the cartel, uh, which I assume is the name of the company and not the actual cartel. The Pokemon franchise as a whole has become a worldwide phenomenon since first launching in 1995. Uh, the franchise now encompasses multiple television shows, films, video games, and the trading card game, uh, books, manga, comics, and much more. On the live action front, Detective Pikachu proved to be a box office success upon its release. The film grossed over $430 million worldwide on a reported budget of $150 million. Tim, Motherfucking Gettys. I know you love Pokemon. I know mm-hmm. you love this type of Pokemon on-screen adaptation. Yep. How do you feel about all this? Um, extremely, extremely, extremely excited. I will believe it when I see it, but I said that about Detective Pikachu, and it ended up happening. And and that's the thing is when they first announced Detective Pikachu as being made into a movie, Lionsgate backing and all this, I was just like, this sounds like a lie. This sounds so truly bizarre. And, oh, Ryan Reynolds is attached. What? How is this going to make sense? And it was so so much better than i could have ever imagined they really did a good job of making it less about detective pikachu the game and more about the pokemon universe as a whole um i wish they went a little further with it but hey i'm a 32 year old man looking to a legitimate children's property uh for 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 more than than they're trying to offer so that's on me for sure Mm -hmm. having said that i do think that there's a lot of potential here and i wonder what the show actually is going to be the idea of a live action series kind of taking the actual storyline of a core pokemon game like let's just say red and blue and Mm -hmm. going through getting the the gyms and all that stuff like that could be extremely cool as a series and i think that it doesn't work as a movie and that's been something that i've always been struggling to 
kind of figure out in my head of like what would that look like it would need to be like a trilogy and i just don't feel like that's the type of thing that story that would work in a let's say six years to finish arc right minimum yeah. if you're talking about the uh, a movie of like three movies going through time getting the main character to the elite four and all that stuff my other thing there though is like how do we how do you make that special and make sense and feel like it's equal to the anime uh but in live action form for a different audience right if you're doing a live action thing on netflix you're trying to get a more mainstream appeal to this already established popular brand right that's why they made the death note movie they tried to americanize it and of course that didn't work because that didn't work that doesn't mean this is not going to work there have been examples of things working and i think that netflix has proven with shows like the witcher that they can take properties book game otherwise and turn them into successful seasons of television that are seen as premier television with the pokemon brand detective pikachu proved that pokemon can work in live action will this have that type of budget will they be able to go as big as like we'd all hope they want they they can and we want them to probably not but hey i'm stoked about this yeah yeah i'm i'm stoked for it too in a pre-detective pikachu world i would read the story and go that's never gonna actually happen they're not gonna finish it it's gonna be abandoned that sounds impossible but after getting detective pikachu and seeing what that looks like and knowing that a, a, a decision from netflix to green light a live action pokemon probably comes directly from seeing detective pikachu seeing it uh be executed and seeing the numbers on it right like going back to that variety article the film grossed over 430 million dollars worldwide on a reported budget of 150 million dollars now here's the thing that's uh, actually not that great like this mm -hmm. this article here is i mean it, you know a profit's a fucking profit but yeah uh this article is kind of like putting some roast tinted glasses uh on on those numbers because like detective pikachu when it came out it wasn't seen as the runaway hit people expected it to be uh -huh. and a lot there was a lot going into that it came out within weeks of two movies in particular aladdin yeah and avengers endgame yeah <laughs> So there's a lot of things that kind of that got in the way there to, to make that number not what it potentially could have been. But I, I guarantee they were looking at that, hoping to cross that 600 million mm -hmm. mark for the type yeah. of movie that it was. But even for Netflix, I'm sure you look at that and you go, OK, well, this is possible and this is a feasible thing. And we're looking at Pokemon, right? Pokemon, one of the most successful, recognizable media franchises, period. You know, like you have, like you have their parades where they got Pikachu just floating out there, just doing doing their Pikachu thing, doing the damn thing, doing the damn thing. And there is so much value and potential for that. And for Netflix, I'm sure you look at that and you go, "Cool, what if we did ten episodes?" And we don't have to go all Detective Pikachu with it. We can maybe, in terms of CGI, right, like limit it to maybe like you see eight Pokemon in an episode, like we can pull that off, right? That'll, that's, that'll take dynamically lower budget to pull off. I, I, I think there are certain certain things you, you look at and you take from from that and you kind of, you, you think about how you can extrapolate that into a smaller scoped series and go, okay, like we can start to figure this out because we have, because we're Netflix and we can go for it in certain ways, right? Maybe not all the way up to Detective Pikachu, but you can, maybe make a series out of that and i think that would be a successful thing like i would totally watch a live action pokemon series even if it wasn't a straight up red and blue thing right even if it, mm -hmm. if it was kind of like a if it was like a detective pikachu thing where it's more about living in the world of pokemon and it's just a uh, joe schmo who owns a chancy and you know his tales through this pokemon world i'd still watch that right i think there are plenty of things you can do with that ip and franchise in a live action show that could be fun and interesting uh and I, I'd be I'd be totally down for it. So while that's true, mm -hmm. it's time we just get them to commit and to just do it. It's like the whole, oh, I'm just living in the world of Pokemon. Sure, that's cool. We've seen that now a couple of times. And it's even on the other side of like the console RPG thing. It's like we want a console RPG Pokemon. And it's like we got a couple on the GameCube and they weren't what we wanted. They were they were for just sure. like, oh, you're a different type of person in this pokemon world still great games still a lot of fun but it's not the thing that we want and expect and i think an important thing to keep in mind here is this is netflix and this is them doing it for a reason it's not just that pokemon is popular it's that pokemon is popular on their platform the pokemon indigo league which is the first couple seasons of the original pokemon anime is office status in terms of 
people just watch it on repeat and like doesn't matter what your age is there is little kids watching it and there's the yep. old Dude, i'm one of those people i every time 100%. every now and then i go through and i watch the uh what was it the sabrina gym episode in yep. the next so episode dope. where he goes so and finds the, the haunter or whatever with like the spoon yeah. With the spoon, Fended yeah. The spoon. Oh my god! Really weird stuff goes down in that episode because Sabrina also shrinks down Ash and his friends to like tiny doll size, and it was very mm. freaky as a kid to watch freaky. that episode. Sabrina's uh, so cool. Fucked me up a little bit, but here's here's the thing I'll propose to him. We mm-hmm. got Detective Pikachu is a live action uh, Pokemon movie, which I would say is was like an unexpected move. Which after the fact, you can see how it makes sense. This variety article points to Pokemon live action, <clears throat> live action series early development. No details about plot or any any sort of thing. What are the chances that there's another Pokemon game or platform that they would adapt similar to Detective Pikachu? Like, is there anything I'm like, oh. like Pokemon Mystery Dungeon comes to mind? No. I feel like that'd be a weird one to do, but. Are there other things that are outside of that mainline Pokemon that would fit in the way a Detective Pikachu would fit? So I got a kind of cheating answer, but it is the right answer, everybody. Mm. I hope that you're prepared for this. So the thing that they should adapt here in some form or another is the original Pokemon manga. I don't know if you ever read this, bless, mm. but it is it is the story of Red and Blue, but it is way more story-based where it's not just like, oh, here's Ash, Misty, and Brock going city to city and like running into a bunch of random ass side quests that always kind of feel like filler until you get to the gym battles. It was way more like every single person they met felt like it really was building this like world. Mm -hmm. And Ash had a team that he was building like you do in the games where he had six Pokemon that were kind of weird. Like one of them was like a polywhirl. It's like not like the ones you would necessarily expect uh, that would be on his team. And then they would go through and like, there was some real dark moments and like sometimes Pokemon would just die. And sometimes like, like gym leaders Jesus. were like, not nice. Like they were mean people. Was it, hold on, when you mentioned Pokemon would just die or is this a reference to, did the Charmander, did it, did his flame go out finally? No, in the manga? I, I, I don't remember, but there, I, I vividly in my mind see, I think it was like an Arbok that got like cut in half and you see Jesus. his like inside, like you see the inside parts of it. But like, and again, I just remember being a little kid reading this being blown away like oh my god like this is the coolest way to tell the pokemon story if they mm-hmm. could adapt that into uh, a netflix show oh my lord that would just be the coolest thing ever that sounds awesome you sold me uh my suggestion pokemon pinball give me a pokemon pinball live action series let me see how that works out i love that uh, game rumble pack on the game boy color dude shout out to that uh remember everybody you can go over to patreon.com slash kind of funny games where you can get the show ad free and speaking of ads Let us tell you about our sponsors. This episode is brought to you by Away. Away is a modern lifestyle brand that creates thoughtful products for every traveler and every kind of trip. They started with the perfect suitcase, crafted with features that make travel more seamless. And now when travel looks more different than ever before, you can count on Away's range of suitcases, bags, and accessories whenever you take that next trip. Here at Kind of Funny, we travel a lot. So every little thing that can make that experience better and easier, we're gonna look for. And Away has done that tenfold. Every suitcase comes with an interior organization system that is super, super handy. And a TSA approved combination lock can keep all of your belongings safe. There's a hundred day trial on everything Away makes. So if you don't like it, you can return it. No questions asked. Start your hundred day trial and shop the entire Away lineup of travel essentials, including their best-selling suitcases at awaytravel.com slash kfgd that's awaytravel.com slash kfgd next up shout out to amazon music if you're looking for a ready lineup of binge worthy podcasts plus free streaming music you have to check out amazon music amazon music has more than 10 million free podcast episodes to listen to including this show and all of kind of funny's other podcasts you can go check out and review it's fantastic stuff no matter what you're listening to you can even go hands-free with Alexa. You can get the app and enjoy free listening anywhere on all your favorite devices. There's no credit card or subscription required. Uh, Amazon Music isn't just for listening to podcasts. They have thousands of music stations and top playlists to stream for free. If you've never tried Amazon Music, what are you waiting for? You're going to love it as much as I do and as much as my bro, Cool Greg, does. Start listening for free today. Head over to amazon.com slash kfgd. That's amazon.com slash kfgd to stream thousands of music stations and over 10 million podcast episodes for free amazon.com slash kfgd and finally shout out to manly bands guys for the better part of their lives 
our better halves have been fantasizing about the perfect wedding ring. For us, not so much. And jewelry stores clearly think the same thing. Uh, Manly Bands is here to rescue you from an otherwise hellish band buying experience. Manly Bands offers you and your hand the freedom to look how you want it to in just about every type of earthly material imaginable and even from space. Yeah, Kevin is all about this stuff. There's some really, really, really cool ones. Uh, one of my really good friends, Danny, actually has one of these and it's beautiful. I love the amount of color options there are. I love the, the amount of material options there are. Check them out. Really attractive uh, wedding bands here. To get started, order the Manly Ring Sizer from Manly Bands to ensure that your ring will fit perfectly during work and play. While there might be a 50% chance that your marriage working out, damn, there's a 100% chance that you're going to love your band. It's dark, but hey, stats are stats. To order your Manly Band and get 21% off plus a free silicone ring, go to manlybands.com slash KFGD. That's manlybands.com slash KFGD for 21% off. Manly Bands, the best damn rings, period. Tim, let's talk about some unit sales. Story number three, Mortal Kombat 11 sells more than 12 million copies. This is from Wesley Yenpool at Eurogamer. Mortal Kombat 11 has sold more than 12 million copies. Warner Brothers Games has announced the gory fighting game hit 8 million copies sold uh, in October. Uh, to put the 12 million sales figure into context, Mortal Kombat X, which came out in April 2015, ended up as NetherRealm's best-selling game with almost 11 million copies sold. Total Mortal Kombat franchise sales are now at 73 million on console, uh, the publisher said in a note to press issued this afternoon. The original Mortal Kombat game launched in 1992. Uh, and on top of that, I want to pull from Daniel Ahmad on Twitter at Z. Uh, actually, you know how to pronounce this. Is it Juge? Yeah, Chuge EX. Chuge EX. Um, they tweeted out this morning uh, and said, for reference, Mortal Kombat uh, and his franchise sales, right, is at 73 million units. Smash Brothers at 65.1 million units as of March 31st, 2021. Tekken uh, is at 51 million units as of April, 2021. And then Street Fighter uh, is at 46 million units as of March 31st, 2021. And that's talking about now the, the best selling uh, fighting game franchises. Very impressive for Mortal Kombat. 12 million units is a lot of copies. 12 million is a lot for an extremely high quality game, man. I cannot shout out nether nether realm enough for what they do in fighting games like it is incredibly special it is triple a ass production whether or not you're a fan of fighting games playing through the campaign in mortal kombat and the injustice games is incredible like they oh, yeah. really they really have something special they really pay attention to making the story fun and a, it fun to enjoy as a story but also to play through and to give you the choice as you go match to match like shifting perspectives between characters like it's just such a it's such a video game ass video game situation that I'm happy exists because fighting games used to just be you play the arcade mode and you choose a character and then fight a bunch of things. Maybe you get a midway through screen with a bunch of text explaining some story and then at the end you definitely get that. But then that would kind of be it and then it's rinse and repeat playthrough as the different characters. NetherRealm treats it differently. They really kind of uh, go above and beyond and uh, in a way similar to Smash Brothers, just going above and beyond with um, different elements, but making these fighting games really special. Um, so shout out to them on 12 million. Can't wait to see what they announce next. And 73 million for Mortal Kombat, making it the highest selling fighting game franchise of all time. Like that's fantastic stuff. You know, I'm mm. uh, looking at these numbers that Daniel put here. I'm, I'm surprised that Tekken is above Street Fighter. Admittedly, not by too much, but 51 to 46 million. Like, yeah. would you have, Dude. would you have bet that? I, I wouldn't have bet it like if you just gave me if you just gave me those two franchises i would have just assumed street fighter but i think when you think about just how good tekken has been recently and even even versus street fighter i know street fighter 5 is a very fine game but tekken 7 i think was just on another level uh in terms of how they executed it and how good it was and polished it was and refined it was and tekken i think for the last few games has been on such a good uh role uh in terms of quality that I I would I would not be surprised if the last three Tekken games just sold astronomically based on how good they are, and then Street Fighter Five, uh, PlayStation exclusive, which I'm sure held it back quite a bit in terms yeah. of actual unit sales. But 
even still, like, you know, still, it's still very impressive for Tekken to be above Street Fighter and then also Mortal Kombat to be above Smash Brothers. Very impressive as well because Smash Brothers kind of has the cheat code with it, right? Whereas that Nintendo first party, it is this huge crossover. It is accessible. Anybody can get into Smash Brothers uh, for Mortal Kombat to straight up just exceed that. Uh, very impressive and I think speaks to just the power of that franchise. It's why we still get Mortal Kombat movies. It's why uh, Mortal Kombat is still a household name even after, like, to think about it in this way, right? That Mortal Kombat came out in 1992 and it came out and people flocked to it because it was this gory, edgy, different thing. You know, like it, Mortal Kombat was the game where you have fatalities, you can pull people's limbs, limbs apart, right? People would flock to it for that. And that felt very early video game that felt very early 90s edge new era kind of thing the fact that mortal kombat started off as something that was very much of its time and over the last uh i guess about wow 30 holy shit 30 years uh has remained and continued to get somehow even more and more popular very impressive uh and you know tim i think you're you, you hit the nail on the head in terms of the quality that they put out with that game in terms of the content in there the story mode um making it accessible so that you can jump in and not feel like you have to play online to, to enjoy yeah. the game or feel like you have to play against friends you can go in play by yourself play the ladders have plenty of different modes to choose from customize characters in the latest one you know you have so many options uh in terms of what you want to do and you know it is it is so good for that in a way that even I would say has influenced a lot of other fighting games because now when I go into uh, I go into Tekken I went into Tekken Seven for example and Tekken Seven has a story mode that you can play through right and would Tekken Seven have that if Mortal Kombat didn't do it before then who knows maybe not right probably not even uh, Dragon Ball Fighters had its own story mode and and uh, you know Guilty Gear is when I hopped into and went to the story mode thought I was gonna fight at some point and turned out it was just a long anime movie but certain expectations in terms of content has been built. It, because of Mortal Kombat in fighting games, which I think is a very impressive thing, is monumental, and yeah, Mortal Kombat is just so good. And so, you know, shout with, out to that with that too, it's like I, I think that people, uh, even with these numbers here, it's like I don't think people give Mortal Kombat enough credit for just how sheerly popular it is. Like when we were at IGN, it was always so surprising that from Mortal Kombat nine on, so nine, ten, and eleven, and in addition to Injustice and Injustice, or yeah. I wasn't there for Injustice, but Injustice two. Yeah. Um, the there was never more popular videos except for smash brothers ultimate character reveals and stuff character reveals in smash or mortal kombat were always always the highest viewed video whenever one of those things would happen the site would get traffic like it's an e3 week mm -hmm. otherwise and it no other game could cause that level of like spike in in video views and, and just like eyes on content about that thing so it's like there's something there's something there man you, something the, extremely Netherrealm, special they have the stuff you know you talk about fatalities and how people people will just go to youtube <clears throat> to just watch fatality compilations i scroll through tiktok and i all happen across injustice introductions and character interactions because people stand that sub that stuff so much now because it's uh, like on a nerdy level it's just fun to see oh yeah what happens when you match up robin versus starfire like what is their character interaction like people will go mm -hmm. on youtube or go on tiktok and just check that stuff out and i think that comes back to the fact that <clears throat> netherrealm has the stuff they know what they're doing and th there's a certain quality that they've built up in their experiences that now they're that studio that which with every new release i know i'm going to be there and i know there's a built-in audience that's going to show up for any any new netherrealm game even if they branch out from mortal kombat and injustice if they do make that uh theorized marvel versus dc game right like think about how many people are going to show show up for that probably because that franchise crossover but then also because it's netherrealm and you know that they're going to do good uh it's a thing and so again mm -hmm. shout out to another realm but that's not all for video game sales numbers this is story number four death stranding has sold five million copies on ps4 and pc this is christopher dring at gamesindustry.biz death stranding has sold through five million copies worldwide on ps4 and pc developer kojima productions has said speaking to gamesindustry.biz head of publishing jay Bohr says the game has performed quite well and the studio is optimistic about the release of the director's cut on ps5 in september quote with Death Stranding being the first title developed out of Kojima Productions, from a sales perspective, it has performed quite well, he says. As of March 2021, Death Stranding has sold through over 5 million units worldwide on PS4 and PC, end quote. As revealed last month, the upcoming director's cut does more than just some visual improvements with new features, uh, weapons, and modes, while the game's central social strand feature has also been improved. 
Bohr continues, quote, Hideo Kojima once said in an interview, quote, I'm very prone to loneliness. I think there, th there are similar people around the world, especially gamers. When they're alone playing video games in the living room, they don't feel like they fit into society or their community. So when people play this game, they realize people like them exist all over the world. Knowing that even though I'm lonely, there are other people like me. Uh, yeah, there are other people like me, and that makes you feel at ease. That's what I want people to, to feel when they play this game, end quote, which I think is a very sweet sentiment from, from Hideo Kojima. I love, I love that he's been tweeting a lot more recently. It's just great. Oh, yeah. It's, he, he, he's wonderful to follow. Uh, and then uh, some more tidbits. Uh, Bohr says that the core Kojima Productions team hasn't changed significantly since the game has launched, although obviously the way it operates has been transformed. Quote, Although we've expanded, <clears throat> although we've expanded slightly in a few operational areas, our team overall has relatively stayed the same in terms of actual size. In terms of how we operate, though, the studio has changed significantly as the pandemic brought many unforeseen challenges. Like everyone else, we have to const we have to constantly adapt and look at how we continue to work and build things safely. End quote. Uh, very impressive. The the five million number. I think it's it, essentially yeah. impressive because it's won a brand new IP from a brand new team, right? Technically, mm -hmm. when you talk about Kojima Productions, but then also just for how weird of a game it is, the fact that people still showed up for it because of Hideo Kojima and because, yeah. you know, I think Death Stranding is a pretty good game, right? Like the fact that people would show up for it for all that, uh, very impressive with the 5 million number. I mean, that number is insane. Like for some context there, like really thinking about it, it was a console exclusive, right? Mm -hmm. So it's like, you're missing out on that entire Xbox uh sales base um and on top of that five million plus copies like when you compare that to metal gear solid games i'm looking now and granted these numbers can be a little bit out of whack because they don't necessarily include like uh psn versions of metal gear solid one or whatever but i doubt yeah. those are adding up to millions of copies but you know let's add some pluses to it just to to see so starting with metal gear solid one we're at seven million plus copies sold mm -hmm. metal gear solid two 7.5 million making it the highest selling metal gear solid game yeah. uh mgs3 at uh 4.4 million plus mm -hmm. uh then we go to metal gear solid 4 at 6 million plus wow that's i'm surprised about that but yeah hell yeah hell yeah um and then a couple of the spinoffs metal gear solid 5 7 million plus that's mm -hmm. 7 million plus that also though includes Metal Gear Solid 5 on all the consoles it was released, which included PS4 and Xbox One. It, it was across a truly cross-gen game for last generation passing, right? Yeah. And uh, it also included Ground Zero sales. So, okay. and that was a million plus. So, all yeah, in all, I mean, Death Stranding, that is extremely impressive sales numbers, like that are right in line with Metal Gear Solid yeah, across I, every console. <laughs> That's actually really impressive and really shocking, and I think just speaks to the fact that Kojima has the stuff now. Like people, it, he really does have that name where if you attach it to a game, people will flock to it because they know Kojima as, as a director and as a character. And I think, of course, I think some of that combined with PlayStation first party push probably has uh, adds a little bit to that juice too. But yeah, Kojima could release another game right now and it'll still sell millions and millions of copies, which is. A thing that very few game directors can say about their own name being attached to a game, uh, which is it's very impressive. And so go get them Death Stranding. Looking forward to the director's cut. Yeah. Uh, real quick, Lotus Chief in the chat says, these numbers always have me thinking exclusives don't matter. It's interesting because you can kind of paint a story either way with that, right? Like looking at, and granted, we're now talking about uh, one and a half generations ago with the uh, mm -hmm. PlayStation 3, but 6 million for Metal Gear Solid 4, a game exclusive only to the PlayStation 3. There was no other way to get that game. That is insane, yeah. especially for the PlayStation 3, right? Oh, like, yeah. like that, that isn't the system that Sony was winning, right? Like that wasn't the PlayStation 4 with its insane install base and all this. So uh, I think that, that there is a narrative there. And again, things have changed and, and we're in a different place. But um, still, Death Stranding is a console exclusive like currently oh, yeah. and i think it probably will remain that way but um for it to sell that much that's extremely extremely impressive story number five tim we have some review roundups to start with neo the world ends with you uh as of the time i grabbed this information it is sitting at an 82 on metacritic uh, i'm pulling from cj 
Anderson at Destructoid. Uh, they gave it an eight and said, Neo, the world ends with you is a sequel worth waiting for. It brings together many of the best concepts from the DS original, but in a more approachable and accessible experience. It may lack the lightning in a bottle genius of its predecessor, but the 40 plus hours I spent exploring Shibuya showed me this world doesn't have to be complicated to be worthwhile. And then Rebecca Valentine at IGN gave it a seven out of 10 and said, Neo, the world ends with you is a sequel that leans heavily on recapturing what made the original so special. That's who has benefited in some ways, such as its vivacious depiction of Shibuya, uh, its incredible soundtrack, and its stylish, flowing combat system, but to its detriment in others. Its story satisfies me as someone who has been waiting for waiting 14 years uh, for answers to The World Ends With You's most tantalizing plot threads, but it pays for that uh, resolution by sidelining its new central cast and forgoing a hard-hitting emotional story of its own. Uh, Tim, I, I don't recall, were you, are you a World Ends With You person? Were you looking forward to this game? Uh, I, I played it back on the DS. It never hit with me the way that it should have, given all the elements going into it. Very Kingdom Hearts-esque, real yeah. Japan, uh, hip-hop influence, like that kind of like Tokyo subculture. Uh, but yeah, or urban culture. Yeah, it did. Uh, it, for some reason, it just never really hit that level for me. So mm-hmm. um, this is kind of hitting exactly where I expected it to. And I, I read some of the the reviews this morning and I, I was reading Imran's review actually at uh, Fandom. And he was kind of saying that like this, this game doesn't. Oh, sorry. Yes. Fanbyte um, doesn't necessarily like do a good job of serving the audiences of fans of the original or new fans. And it kind of just like beats in the middle somewhere but uh that's cool i'm 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 shocked that this exists and that it they actually did a sequel so many years later yeah i want to check it out because i'm i'm with you that when i look at when i look at the game stylistically it is a game that should speak to me it has kind of a persona 5 meets jet set radio kind of style to it which is my jam and so like i wanted i want to check it out for sure um but you know 82 on metacritic that's a good score and so uh i i definitely i I think this is one to look into especially if one it speaks to you stylistically or if you're a fan of the original game on ds uh more for a review roundup though uh we got the great ace attorney chronicles right now on metacritic is sitting at an 88 which is very impressive i'm gonna pull just one review from melindy hetfeld at eurogamer who recommends it and says the great ace attorney chronicles is a lovely bundle which like many a spinoff suffers from not being quite as great as the original you immediately compare it to regardless there is so much to love here it tries some new things uh setting and gameplay wise it makes enjoyable references and i just uh just consistently enjoy shu takumi's writing no matter what he puts out the historical setting could prove to be a bit of a niche interest to many, but rather than contort yourself uh, or contort myself and tell you that this is just like any or just like the Ace Attorney you know and love or call it a prequel or a great way to start the series, which it isn't, I'd rather give it to you straight and say, do you love a good period drama? Have at it. So there you go. Uh, this is one that as I've been scrolling through, through Twitter this morning, I saw quite a few people had good things to say about it. I think Imran, this is another Imran cut too, where he was enjoying it. And so uh, if you're an Ace Attorney fan, this sounds like one you should definitely check out. Last news story for you, story number six, PS Plus games for August were revealed early, it looks like. This is Tom Ivan at Video Games Chronicle. August 2021's PlayStation Plus games have been revealed. The upcoming editions were confirmed on the official PlayStation website, perhaps ahead of schedule, rather than in a PlayStation blog announcement, as is usually the case. August PlayStation Plus games are uh, Plants vs. Zombies, Battle for Neighborville for PS4, Tennis World Tour 2 for PS4, and then Hunter's Arena Legends uh, PS5 only. They'll be available to download from August 3rd. And if, and if you remember, Hunter's Arena Legends was one that was in the most recent uh, PlayStation State of Play uh, Battle Royale game, melee-based. Looks interesting enough that I'm going to check it out on PS Plus, give it a try, maybe play two matches, see how I feel about it. But, <laughs> Tim, August 3rd is mm-hmm. just so far away. If I want to know what's coming out to Mom Drop Shops today, where'd I look? The official list of upcoming software across each and every platform as listed by the Kind of Funny Games Daily Show host each and every weekday. Out today, we got Pets No More for Switch and then Intravenous for PC. New dates for you. Draft of Darkness, a survival horror deck building game releasing in early access, uh, is coming the 30th of July. And then Assassin's Creed Valhalla's Siege of Paris expansion will be releasing on August 12th, 2021. 
Uh, we also have a deal of the day for you. This comes from Wario64. Now on Xbox Game Pass for console, you can get Blinks the Time Sweeper and Crimson Skies High Road to Revenge. And so if you're in a, a classic Xbox fan, it's looking like a good day for you with Xbox Game Pass right there. I love it. This is, once again, one of the big values of Xbox's ecosystem and what they've built. I love that they're continuing to go back to what started it all. Quality aside, sometimes when it comes to things, I'm not going to throw any shade at any cats in particular here. But um, what I will say is I love that Xbox does such a great job taking old games, modernizing them with FPS boost and all the you know nicer resolutions, like all that stuff. And then also Game Pass, making it free, making it available to people just to, to try out. I can tell you for sure, I'm going to pop into Crimson Skies for at least 20 minutes Hell to yeah. just remember That's how much I enjoyed that game at a moment in time. I would love a new Crimson Skies. I really think they could do something special with that type of gameplay nowadays. Like that really was the at that point next gen answer to Star Fox 64 type gameplay um in a more open world type uh or open air type situation uh but yeah I I, I doubt it's going to be enjoyable enough to fully play through well at that's this my that's my favorite thing about Xbox Game Pass and them having like what Xbox does with legacy titles is for me it's always a or usually a I got 30 minutes to spare. I'm bored and I'm feeling kind I'm feeling, you know, kind of freaky right now. Let's play some Crimson Skies. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like mm-hmm. I do I'm I've now been doing it for Perfect Dark a lot, where I've been playing Perfect Dark, the original for N64 via Rare Replay for maybe the last seven months. Just every yes. now and then I feel Still like getting in there. There's a mission, doing There's a, mission. a mission. Where's Elvis yeah. at? <laughs> and it's like, you know, why not? Because it's there. Nothing stopped me from playing it and I have a good time playing it. And so I always I always love that. And uh fun anecdote as well, like I don't know if you remember Tim back in the day being 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 young, right, and having one console, but then having a friend that has another console and going over oh, yeah. to their house and being like, oh, "What yeah. is it?" Uh, Blinks the Time Sweeper is one of those games where, growing up, I had a PS2. My next door neighbor, uh, who I was who I was good friends with, had a an Xbox, and I was probably like eight years old at this time. Um, but like I would go over to his house to play games all the time because he had all these games that I didn't that I didn't own or just different games. Uh, and so I'll play like he's he introduced me to Battlefront, he introduced me to quite a few other games. But he busted out this game, Blinks a Time Sweeper. And I remember seeing him start to play it and going, What the fuck is this game? This game seems like just weird and different, has a different vibe. Like visually, it didn't look like a PS2 game. There was something about it that I was like, yo, this is no, different. You're nailing it. It looks like an Xbox game, like an OG yeah. Xbox game. There's there is a very specific look that that system had that it was like still so tied. I mean, ironically, it was so tied to being a PC game. Like I feel like every Xbox game had this like mm. PC game aesthetic to it. But it was on console and we've now come full circle with that where that is they've kind of met in the the middle in a different way and then kind of pushed each other to grow where modern consoles and pc are closer than ever but it's like now we just think of that as like this like high graphical thing but like we just didn't really have 3d platformers on pc but blinks was one but it was designed it looked like a pc game I know yeah. that sounds fucking crazy for me to say, but if you were there during that time, you know exactly. No, I what remember. I'm I know about. exactly what you're talking about because <laughs> I just remember wa- watching him play this game and going, "I don't know what it is, <laughs> but this game is different." I was eight years old, so I was just like, "What the fuck? Why the fuck is this game so weird and different from like the shit I play on my PS2?" It had so energy funny. to it. I, I don't want to go on too long about this. Maybe we'll talk more in in the the post show. But real quick, right. I just want to say I love the different feel that every console has. Like I love that you can. Not 10 out of 10 times, but for the most part, you could look at four seconds of a video clip or or even hear like four seconds with audio and video and be able to be like, oh, that was the Xbox version of that game or that was the GameCube, oh, yeah. or that was the PS2 just because they had like, especially when it comes to exclusives. Like there was looks, you know, when you compare the N64 to the the PlayStation to the Saturn, it's like the Saturn always had more of a square look. The PlayStation had more of a triangle look and the uh, N64 had like a smushed circle look. You know what I'm talking about? And I sound crazy saying that, but you you feel me though. (laughs) Especially during that generation too, where working off of different architectures, there's something about the Jaggies on PS1 that really sticks out versus just, yeah, like the smushed polygons that you get on the N64 that make both those consoles just seeing way differently uh and so i totally feel what you're talking about 
But for now, Tim, let's move over to kindoffunny.com slash you're wrong, where folks can write in as we do the show. They can write in and let us know what we got wrong as we got it wrong so we can correct it for those who are watching later on YouTube and listening later on podcast services around the globe. We only have a couple of your wrongs coming in from the nanobiologist. Uh, he writes in and say, Red Starter in the manga was was a polywag named Polly. It evolved into a polyrath to save Red's life. His full team. I don't want to. I don't want to spoil the manga. I'm sure somebody out there is like, "Yo, wait, no, I want to read the Pokemon manga." And so it's I'll called Pokemon, Pokemon Adventures, and it is fucking fantastic. And then oh, uh, Nano says, uh, "Oh, sorry, what was that, Kevin?" I was just trying to uh, egg you on to spoil it. Uh, should, should I spoil Red's full no, team? just go check it out if you want to check it out. It's really yeah. cool, though. Do check it out. It's cool. Uh, Nano said Tim's right about Arbok getting cut in half, speaking of spoilers. But it was Blue possessed by a ghastly owned by Koga who cut the Arbok. See what I'm saying? This shit gets crazy, man. Jesus. Uh, and then Kebab says that the Saturn felt square because it used square polygons. The PS1 felt triangular because it used triangular polygons. Yes. <laughs> so there you go. There you go. A quick les- lesson in geometry for you everybody uh it's monday which means we have a full week ahead of us in terms of hosts this week hosts go like this tomorrow is greg and gary witta wednesday it's me and tim that's right we're back at it like a bad habit thursday is greg and tim and then on friday it's greg and me if you're watching this live right now on twitch after this is mike and nick playing some police stories if you want to catch that stream later you can subscribe to youtube.com slash kind of funny plays our third youtube channel remember this has been Kind of Funny Games Daily. Each and every weekday live right here on twitch.tv slash Kind of Funny Games. We run you through the nerdy news you need to know about. We have a Patreon post show for those that are subbed at the silver level of patreon.com slash Kind of Funny Games. So stick around for that. Otherwise, till next time, game daily.